The Truth News Network. Where do you begin? Seriously, where do you begin to understand what's happening in the last 18 months? Life in this world is beginning to look like the director's cut of Lord of the Rings. Indescribable torment, tyranny, and it just never ends. Okay, let's take a moment. Separate fact from Hollywood. For that, you need the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. I guess the salient question this Tuesday morning is, where does it ever end? It just seems like we're on an ever-ending railroad ride to God only knows where we are headed as a nation. But I'm going to tell you this, under this administration, this president, it doesn't look pretty good at all. In fact, it looks pretty bleak where this president has us going, what we're headed towards, it's inevitable. Unless we, the people, stand up and stop this deep slide into oblivion. We're headed for just that, oblivion. And we deserve what we're allowing to happen to us. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live. It's Tuesday. That, of course, is a very special day here at TNN Live. That's the day when Steve Baker joins us. The DS Report. DS, not BS. DS stands for Dan and Steve. Steve will be with us at the top of our second hour, 10 o'clock, for those of you in the central time zone. The rest of you, you figure it out. And what we do every week, Steve and I tag team on some of usually one of the really big controversial stories that is dominating our news cycle just to dig in and get the truth, get the facts. And isn't it odd that we have to do that, that we just cannot accept what we're being told by mainstream news media as fact on which we make our decisions and our choices. We just can't do that anymore. I don't remember the last time I could do that. Maybe... Maybe back in the um, Walter Cronkite days, we did just that. Remember, we only had three television networks, NBC, CBS, ABC, and each one of those networks had a very famous and very well-known commentator, really not a commentator because they really didn't comment. They just gave us the facts. Walter Cronkite, nobody questioned what he or his counterparts on ABC and NBC had to say. We just took it, and we just swallowed it hook, line, and sinker. Why is that? Well, all three pretty much coordinated in their stories, and we very seldom caught one of them not telling the truth. But then I look back over my rearview mirror, over my shoulder, and I look at where we were in the 60s and the 70s, and I ask this question. I wonder how much of what we were being told was really true. And how much of it was political news commentary? Pretty much the BS that we get every day from CNN, MSNBC, uh, CNBC. I get all the EBs and all that confused. ABC, CBS, NBC, the big broadcast shows. And then, of course, we have the New York Times, the Washington Post, and pretty much pick a big city that's Democrat-controlled And you can pick the newspaper in that city and ask the same questions. How much of it is true and how much of it is false? 
So here's what we do right here at TNN Live every day and at truthnewsnet.org. What we do is we dig and we dig and we dig and we get answers for you. And when we get those answers, we give them to you so you have the ability to discern what to do, what to believe, what not to believe, and what certainly you shouldn't be doing. And we don't tell you how to think. We don't tell you what to think. We just throw it out there and you make your own choices, make your own decision. So we've got here in our first hour, we have a few things that we need to wade into. Some of them are pretty uncomfortable. I'm warning you. There's some news out regarding COVID-19 and regarding children. The FDA began recommending COVID-19 vaccines to children. You know this happened just a couple of months ago in June. Over the course of this summer, nearly a million kids in America were vaccinated. So throughout this time, now we're talking about June, July, August, and now we're close to the second half of September. Throughout this time, the CDC, we're told, has closely monitored the data. The recent findings suggest that about half of babies and toddlers who get Moderna or Pfizer COVID vaccines, half experience systemic reactions. Now, these aren't like systemic racism, where there's nothing you can point to and say, this is systemic racism. We're talking about systemic reactions. These or reactions outside the vaccination area, which means other parts of their body. And they include things like fever, irritability, crying, and sleepiness. There were also instances of a health impact, meaning the children got sick to the point where they couldn't attend daycare and their parents sought medical help. That ranged between ages 7 to 16, depending on the vaccine, the dose, and the age group. Of course, these reactions happen with regular pediatric vaccines too, like the measles, mumps, rubella, that's that MMR vaccine. Last Friday, Dr. Tom Shimabukoro, the head of the CDC's vaccine safety team, said that all of these reactions to COVID vaccines in kids have no statistical signals No statistical signals. What does that mean? Basically, he says, no cause for concern. But if you really compare a normal pediatric vaccine to a COVID one, the COVID vaccines seem to cause 15 times more reactions than a routine pediatric immunization. Some doctors even say that could be a signal of a much more serious reaction coming down the line for these babies. That just popped up in the news overnight. And of course, you've heard every major network report on it, right? And then there's more vaccine information. Reports submitted to the CDC, their vaccine surveillance system, the VAERS system, suggest that cases of post-COVID-19 vaccine-linked heart inflammation among young males have risen. Recent numbers published in the CDC's 
Vaccine safety data link surveillance systems show that within a week of getting the two-dose Pfizer BioNTech vaccine, there were 14 cases of myocarditis or pericarditis among 102,000 males between the ages of 16 and 17. And of the 206,000 12 to 15-year-old males who got the same two-dose vaccine series, there were 31 cases within a week. Now, that may not seem like a big number, but if you're one of those 31 or 14 in the two circumstances, these are big deals. Those reports were presented to the CDC's Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices September 1st, and it shows that the incident rate for the 12 to 15-year-old group is 150 per million, or about 1 in 6,600, and 137 per million for the 16 to 17-year-old group, or about 1 in 7,200. So what does all this mean? Listen, folks. Let me just be very honest with you. And I'm not trying to scare any of you that have been COVID vaccinated or your children have or have not been COVID vaccinated. But we're not being told everything that the CDC knows about these vaccines. If we were, most of us would have never accepted these vaccines, at least based upon the basis that we were told by medical experts like, oh, Dr. Fauci, that if you didn't get the vaccine, you were going to die. If you didn't get the vaccine, you were going to infect all of your loved ones and they were going to die. You remember those days? There's something in these vaccines that is not good for the American body, for the world body, for any body. And sadly, I'm about to make a statement that is 100% opinion. Sadly, I believe there are people that number among these medical experts, and I'm talking about the CDC, the FDA, even the NIAID organization under the National Institutes of Health. The NIAID is the one that Anthony Fauci heads. I feel confident that there is far more negative news about COVID-19 vaccination adverse reactions that are coming down the pike that they know about and that in many cases they knew about through clinical trials that we were never given that data so that we could look at it and make some decisions for ourselves. Isn't it isn't it horrible that me, I'm, I'm not a young man, I'm 69 years old, I've been around the block a few times, I've seen good, I've seen bad, I've seen miracles, I've seen crazy, horrible things perpetrated by so-called experts, not just in the medical field, but in a number of fields where Americans and others have paid the ultimate price. I've seen all of that. And I, I got a little bit of wisdom when I was very young. I've told you this story before. We had a deacon in our church named uh, Ashley was his last name. 
and he took me duck hunting. He taught me how really to duck hunt in South Louisiana when I was a freshman in high school. Fell in love with it. I dearly love it. And we struck up a friendship, um, kind of like a father and son or maybe an uncle and nephew through those few years that I was down in Franklin, Louisiana. And he got to talk to me. Like he, he spoke into my life about things that young men learn as they grow old. And sometimes young men make unnecessary mistakes by not learning from what they're being taught. You know what I'm talking about. And he, he, he gave me some great South Louisiana um, relational statements and uh, things to relate to that have stuck with me all these years. And one of, the, one of the most important, and you've heard me say it here on this show before, if whatever it is, if it quacks and waddles, it's a duck, period. It doesn't matter how you couch it, how you change it, how you dress it up, or in Sarah Palin terminology, you can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. There's something not right. And it's sadly becoming more and more evident almost every day that our medical experts have been taking advantage of our trust and belief and benign acceptance of what these so-called experts tell us every time. And they've earned that in many cases through the years. But now, at least for me, my confidence in these medical experts, it's way, way, way down there, under 50%. And that's not good in the American medical industry. You put that in the context of my, my history. I have owned a 32-year-old medical company. We deal every day with medical professionals and patients. We've seen it all. We've heard it all. And I know doctors. We have clients that are or doctors. I know some that are stricken with that God complex. You know what I'm talking about. I'm a doctor. I know more than anybody else. I don't have to listen to what anybody else says. If I believe it's so, then it's so. The God complex, I've seen that. I see it every day. I know what it is. I know where it comes from, and I know how to circumvent it to get things done. But that's come from experience. What else has come from experience is the ability to discern some things. And when things don't add up, when someone's trying to um, misrepresent something or really do a sales job to convince me of something, in almost every case, way more than half the time. I can honestly say, if it quacks and dawdles, waddles, it's a duck. And I should be waiting and watching for the duck. And it almost always shows up. And when it does, every time, it's a duck. This COVID-19 stuff, we're still dealing with it. Nobody talks about this. Do you realize that about 320 new COVID deaths are happening every day in the U.S. 320, that's an insignificant number. We're applauding. Oh, that's all? 320 Americans are dying, many of them needlessly, at the hands of COVID-19. And the average was over $400 before the uh, $400, 400 deaths 
before the Labor Day holiday weekend. Uh, This comes from the CDC. The rate is far below pandemic peaks, thank God, including levels above. You remember when it was 2,500 a day during the Omicron wave early this year? But the country hasn't matched lows closer to 200 a day reached during a lull last year. Roughly 85% of people who died from COVID through mid-August this summer were older folks, my age or above, 65 or older. The rate is similar to 2020 peaks before vaccines were even available. Now think about that sentence. Think about that. Did you catch it when I gave it to you? The rate is similar to 2020 peaks before vaccines were available. In other words, Americans are dying at a rate almost exactly the rate what Americans were dying with before vaccinations even came out. COVID-19 is on pace to be the third leading cause of death for the third straight year. Since 2020, it's trailed on the heart disease and cancer. Some of those who are dying have gotten two doses of the vaccine, as well as at least one booster shot. The vaccine has dramatically reduced overall mortality, but has struggled to keep pace with new and more contagious variants. Under Trump, now this is coming from the Wall Street Journal, under Trump, mainstream journalists accused the president of mass murder even though the previously unknown virus emerged in China and affected the whole world, and even as Trump was pushing for the development of a vaccine that the mainstream media under Biden would tout as a miracle cure that workers ought to be forced to take or else lose their jobs. Remember those days? And by the way, Corinne Jean-Pierre at the White House ought to stand in front of the press corps today and state this, the COVID-19 death toll under Joe Biden as president surpassed that under Trump within the first 10 months of the Biden administration. Now, wait a minute. Donald Trump was president for a couple of years during COVID-19, the very beginning of it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Biden went past Trump in the first 10 months. So, COVID-19 doesn't have a political dog in the hunt. It is what it is, and it doesn't matter who sits in the White House. We have got to get our arms around this stuff. We've got to get the truth out there, and we've got to demand that we get it from everybody who is in line as a medical professional that we have been told for generations, these are the people that have the facts. Make those people give you the facts, the people in your lives. Do you have personally now for you, or do you have a loved one that's facing COVID-19 stuff, or maybe even other types of medical roadblocks that they can't get around, they don't have answers for? Find the answers. The answers are out there. You just have to peel away the political levels and get down to the crux of what the problem is and what can be done and should be done to take care of it. In almost every case, that can be done. 
You just have to find it or find the person or persons that can find it for you or your loved one. Don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. Here's something interesting that's off of uh, healthcare. California gas car ban. Interesting. Electric vehicle adoption must happen quickly to beat climate change. Now, who's that coming from? What scientist is giving us that information? None other than Mayor Pete Buttigieg. On Thursday last week, he appeared to heap praise on states' efforts to fight climate change. And of course, who is he really talking about? California and their gas car ban, which go well beyond policies that are set at the federal level. In an interview with Fox's Fox 11, the issue is that aired Friday, Buttigieg was asked to comment on California's plan to ban these new gas cars by the year 2035 in favor of electric vehicles and whether that could or should be a national model. I mean, if it works, right? The ban was passed just days before the state began struggling with keeping the lights on during a late summer heat wave. Buttigieg evaded answering directly whether the Biden administration would implement a policy like that, but said it was interesting that some states are trying to go above and beyond what we're doing at the federal level. I'm really interested, he said, in following these developments while we continue to set a national policy that's the baseline for all of this. We got to move in the direction of electric vehicles. He said that before he acknowledged that some major industries are already moving in this direction independently. But we got to make sure this happens quickly enough to help us beat climate change. After all, everybody knows climate change. You can keep up with it on your watch. You get emails and texts from it if you log in and it'll tell you where it is in the area of getting to 100%. Oh my goodness. And if we hit 100% by the end of this century, you know what they measure to be successful in that regard? Success is reducing the average world temperature by one and a half degrees by the end of the century. In other words, 78 years. That is a success. Spending trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars and Americans in droves losing their freedoms and their liberties because our government is cramming the climate change. It's not science, folks. It is not science. It is just as contested as it is accepted as being a reality by scientists. It's a political ploy more than it is a science. More than a dozen states today are debating whether to adopt similar plans to California's gas-powered vehicle bans by 2035. Several of the 17 states are likely to move forward, and those include Washington, Massachusetts, New York, Oregon, and Vermont. Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm, she was more explicit in her endorsements of California's ban 
She said that she backed it and commended the state for leaning in on climate policy. I think California is really leaning in, she said. And of course, the federal government has a goal of that the president has announced, of course, by 2030, half of the vehicles in the U.S., the new ones sold, would be electric. So during its current heat wave underway right now in California, they're asking residents to refrain from using large appliances like air conditioning and plugging their EVs to charge at certain times of day to avoid overwhelming the state's power grid. Tesla CEO Elon Musk and Toyota CEO Akio Toyota have both warned that electric generation capacity's got to increase dramatically if millions more cars are to be powered by the grid instead of gasoline. Which brings this point up. Wouldn't you think, I mean, I'm just a little country bumpkin from South Louisiana, but wouldn't you think if you were going to move an entire nation away from gas-powered cars to electric vehicles of whatever sort, pickup truck, Jeep, off-road, streetcar, whatever, motorcycles. We're going to move them all to electric. Wouldn't you think before they pulled the plug that they would have taken care of that little bitty tiny necessity? And what would that be? Making sure that we had enough electric power available to take care of all these electric vehicles before we started pushing those down Americans' mouths. We don't have even an idea, not even a hint of the fallout of what this is going to be. And they've just now started. And look at what's happening right now. They're begging people in California, don't plug in your electric vehicle. Go get on a city bus or call Uber. Now, wait a minute. City buses use energy. Uber uses energy. What's the difference in me using their energy or me using the energy in my own vehicle? This is the height of insanity, of stupidity, and of not planning but coming up with a great idea, at least great as it sounds politically. But in practic- practicality, it sucks. Could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? Your home. Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Join a community of online learning and find your bright future at the American Women's College of Bay Path University. Getting your college education doesn't necessarily make it so you have different self-worth or you mean more. There's so many different roads you can take. But if you have the feeling that you want it, go get it. The American Women's College is supportive and kind. And what you've created has changed lives. And I'm so grateful that I can say I've been part of it. Enrolling now for September and November at baypath.edu slash future. 
Your true friends are the people in your life that totally get your inside jokes, your unique style, most important, what you want to eat. Taco Bell knows that when you get together with your real friends, it doesn't matter what you're doing, but hey, it might as well be something that everybody can get into, like the Taco and Burrito Cravings Pack with four crunchy tacos and four beefy five-layer burritos. So even if you're all sitting around doing absolutely nothing, you know you'll still have a good time. It's Taco Bell's Taco and Burrito Cravings Pack. Get it for the friends that get it for a limited time at participating Taco Bell locations near you. Hey, Thirst, can I try out a few Coke summer sound effects on you? Yes. Cool. You okay with this? Yes. And this? Yes. And what about this? Gotcha there, Thirst. That wasn't sound effects. That was a Coke. I'm no longer thirsty. You're so out of here. Coca-Cola. Open happiness. If you hadn't heard that whole, this whole song, oh my gosh, you need to, you need to listen to it. It's called I'm Yours. And it's from a movie, and I forget which one it is. But it's a great song, and uh, it was written for the movie. Check it out. I'm Yours is the name of it. There's some news today. It's been out for several days, various variations of it. Coming out of my state, down in New Orleans. Now, a lot of people think Shreveport, where we're located. You know, Shreveport's, you know, maybe 100 miles away from New Orleans. Not so. 350 miles down there. They're on the toe of the boot almost as you look at the state. And we're actually in the extreme northwest corner. We are sitting, as I am right now in our studio, about 10 miles from the Louisiana-Texas border and about 30 miles south of the Arkansas border. Anyway, it's a whole different world, the environment, political in every other way is different in New Orleans than it is in most other parts of the state. We have a female mayor down in New Orleans, and she's a lightning rod for all kinds of controversy. Her name is LaToya Cantrell. Now, she got busted, and when I say busted, she did a lot of travel. She went overseas, and she spent on one trip um, about, let's see, about $30,000 on airfare. And I mean, she got popped because you, I think she was going to France for meetings. The meetings were justifiable. I, I'm, I'm saying they are. I assume they are. Uh, the city council down there would have uh, had some something to say about it if they weren't. But $30,000 for first-class round-trip airfare. I got to be honest with you. I've flown internationally. In just the last few years, several times, I flew from uh, Shreveport, Louisiana to Zurich, Switzerland, going through London, first class, and the round-trip ticket was about $4,500. That's way away from $30,000. Nevertheless, she had to come up, which she did, and she went public with the reasoning, the explanation. She said she wouldn't going to repay that money that was spent on the first class trip from Washington, Dulles to Switzerland over the summer. My travel accommodations, now this is the mayor speaking, are a matter of safety, not 
of luxury. Think about that. Her travel accommodations were a matter of safety, not of luxury. Again, I've flown in both ends of commercial airliners. I know there are differences being in first class and being in coach, but you're only a few feet away. So what would be a matter of safety that would require you to sit up front rather than sit in the back? And she explained that. Here's what she said. As all women know, our health and safety are often disregarded and we are left to navigate alone. As the mother of a young child whom I live for, I'm going to protect myself by any reasonable means in order to ensure I am there to see her grow into the strong woman I'm raising her to be. Anyone who wants to question how I protect myself just doesn't understand the world black women walk in. So, she's a mayor. She has a daughter. I don't know if she's married or not, and that really doesn't matter. But she played the mama card and the race card in her excuse. I don't care what you think. There are people in the front of the plane and people in the back of the plane that are of mixed sexes and mixed colors, mixed nations of origin. And as many times as I've flown, and I've flown thousands of times in my long, 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 long life, I don't think I've ever wanted to, or even if I did, I could never figure out what was going on in the minds of somebody sitting next to me, in front of me, or behind me as it pertains to my safety. I don't know how she came up with this. Now, officials were trying to determine if the mayor has got to repay that 30 grand in taxpayer monies for the trip to France and Switzerland. The mayor responded when asked about the issue, saying the expenses would not be reimbursed to the city, adding, one thing is clear. I do my job, and I will continue to do it with distinction and integrity every step of the way, except for that $30,000 trip. <laughs> a recall petition. Now listen to this. This, is, this makes it even better. A recall petition was filed in August against her, and she's been dealing with a bunch of scandals, a sky-high crime rate in New Orleans. It's just gone down, 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 down. The homicide rate there rose nearly 50% over year-to-date data from last year. The Metro Crime Commission's weekly Orleans Crime Bulletin shows that as of June 5th this year, homicides in New Orleans were up 46% over where they were a year ago, 89% over the number in 2020. So in an effort to create a stronger police force, city officials issued an $80 million plan this past week that included pay raises, health care, a $30,000 incentive plan for those starting their careers. Meanwhile, the number of New Orleans police officers has dwindled to well under 1,000 people, down from more than 1,300 a few years ago. 
and she got on her soap pop when this recall petition was registered with the, uh, I guess, the local voters office there. And of course, she played the race card. Oh, this is just because I'm black. And she failed to look at who filed the petition. (laughs) It was two black people that filed the petition against her. So I guess she still has her mama card. Uh, (laughs) But the uh, race card got thrown in the trash. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. What's going on over in Ukraine? You know, we got this Russia invasion thing going on. Well, there are some really strange things that have been happening since the weekend. The leader of Chechnya is criticizing the Russians as it loses occupied territory to a Ukrainian counteroffensive. These Ukrainian people, these military people are going crazy and they're taking parts of Ukraine back. It's a very interesting situation. It's astounding, I would say. That's from Robzon Kotarov. He said that Sunday in an audio message on the platform Telegram, he is an ally of Russian President Vladimir Putin. Kotarov noted that Russian forces have made, made many mistakes and will likely draw the necessary conclusions after Ukraine pushed them into all-out retreat. Reports come out saying the Russians are running away from the front lines where they're fighting the Ukrainians, even leaving their vehicles and their weapons and running from the Ukrainian army. Ukraine said it ousted Russian sources from the occupied territories to the northeastern border as Russian strikes caused power outages across the country. If today or tomorrow no changes in strategy are made, I will be forced to speak with the leadership of the defense ministry and the leadership of the country to explain the real situation on the ground to them, Katerov said. His criticisms come as nearly 30 Russian municipal deputies signed a petition calling for Vladimir Putin to resign. Now call me stupid and call me a conspirator. Um, I would think anybody that's calling for Vladimir Putin to resign should be very, very, very careful because he has been in office for a long time and he's former KGB. What is that? That's the nasty version of our CIA. And they would kill people, just pull out a gun and shoot him for less than that. Here's a report, an inside report from early this morning from Ukraine. It's a very interesting situation now. The Ukrainians have taken, as we say, large swathes of territory. Uh, and the Russians have abandoned the whole of the Kharkiv Oblast, the Kharkiv provi- uh, province. The Ukrainians are moving at a rate of about 20 kilometers a day. Uh, the Russians moved at the rate of about one kilometer a day, most days. And as a result, the Ukrainians find themselves, they're in control of Izium, which was the uh, battlefield center of Russian operations. And they've got control of all of the areas that matter to them, west of the uh, Oskil River, and they're moving now to the east of the Oskil River. How do they do it? If we look at a, a, a satellite image, you can see the way they 
planned their advance. They're acting very much like a Western army. You know, the, the British army have been saying for the last couple of years, we've got to get used to the idea that we stay dispersed and then come together for a major offensive because you can't afford to be concentrated for too long on the battlefield because if you are, um, then you're vulnerable. And what the Ukrainians have done, they've done exactly that. They stayed dispersed and then they moved very quickly to Balaklia. And then from Balakia, they moved right up to Kupiansk. We didn't think that they would do it. We didn't think that they would do it so quickly. But they moved to Kupiansk. And because that's the network, it's the rail and road network for the whole area, they then moved very quickly from Kupiansk as far as Vovchansk, right up in the north, and right down to the south to Izium and Sviatohorsk. And they didn't only do it in one line. They also did it by other attacks. They were working on encirclement attacks. And so they've, they've behaved very much like a, a Western army. And the result of that now, of course, is that they get the choice as to what to do next, as to whether to keep on going into the Donbass, to actually there at uh, Belharivka, which means that they're very close to Lishishansk and they might be able to attack that and get that back after, a f after losing it a few weeks ago, or they might consolidate there and move further south. And then if we look down at the southwest, what's happening around Kherson? The uh, movement there isn't quite as, as rapid as this, but it's beginning to be. The Russian forces are under pressure in Kherson. At Tomyabalka down in the southwest, below the, just southwest of the city itself. And this long um, uh, front that they opened up at uh, Snaharivka, which is northwest of Kherson, they're making a big inroad there. Russian forces in general are under great pressure in this area, and there are reports, so far unconfirmed, but some of them are coming from Ukrainian Southern Command, that, that Russian forces in the north are out of ammunition and are beginning to try to negotiate local surrenders. We'll see if that happens. It's not yet confirmed. Maybe, maybe not. How has Russia reacted to all of this? Well, President Putin, so far, has said nothing, absolutely nothing. Um, they've sacked uh, the uh, local general, uh, Berdnikov. Um, he's been in post since the 26th of August. He didn't last very long, so he's been sacked. It's not clear who will take over from him. Mr. Putin doesn't seem yet to be trying to reinforce his forces. He may not be able to, and we're all wondering whether the Russians will be able to reinforce these two fronts that are beginning to collapse. Um, we'll see what happens in the coming weeks. So far, it's not clear that they've found a defensive line that they can really stick to. At some point, they'll dig in. At some point, the Ukrainian offensive will run out of steam. But one thing we're certain about is that from now until the weather turns bad, the Ukrainians are now calling the shots. Isn't that an interesting turn of events? It looked like, I guess for many people, I felt this way, that it was very slowly turning into a Russian just blanket invasion of Ukraine. And they were committed. They do it. I mean, look at what they did in Afghanistan. They were there for way more than a decade. Um, they weren't there as long as we were, but they were there for a long, long time. So they had that staying power, that commitment. I felt like if it took it, they were going to do the same thing, wearing down the Ukrainian military. And now it appears it may be exactly the opposite. Isn't that interesting? Well, there's big news coming out of Washington, D.C. I know that will surprise you, but we've got a midterm elections coming up across the nation. And Joe Biden, remember the man with the pen, he signed an executive order yesterday addressing this election. Now, this comes in the wake of making it very, very clear to the White House and to Democrats elections 
are not run by the feds. They are run by the states. Yet this president issued an executive order with a whole bunch of stuff included in the EO. In fact, everything in it deals directly with the federal government's involvement in the 2022 midterm elections. Oh my gosh, what's this all about? That's up next. Steve Baker, top of the hour. The truth. Straight. No chaser. TNN. The Truth News Network. Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes for insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please, forgive us for never washing our hands, ever. Schneider, the beer with the exact maturity of the man who's in the process. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. While some compromise to be nice, others aggressively hold to the truth. Guess which one we are. TNN, the Truth News Network. I, I kind of like to think we're both. We're nice, and we hold to the truth. And we have now in studio with us, I know he's not supposed to be officially with us until 10, but he showed up as all good uh, radio people and reporters get it. They show up um, a little bit early. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Dan. How was your trip? Did you come from Carolina here? You've been on the road? Yeah. I, well, I stopped in Nashville. I, I have a, a, a usual pattern of my... Uh, uh, oasis stopping points and one of those is nashville i have a great uh, friend 30 years in the hollywood um, executive position in the movie business there and then i was really blessed yesterday morning uh don moen if you know who don yeah, moen yeah, is sure uh, do. great praise and worship songwriter he heard that i was in town and dropped by for coffee yesterday morning so oh, that was, was me spend some time with him yeah well it's it's good that you're here yeah, we got to stop meeting like this. Yeah, in studios. Um, <laughs> you know, we've known each other for a while, but it was always from a distance. I think the first time we got face-to-face was right after 
the January 6th thing. We met in, uh, where, where, where did we? Panera's. Yeah, Panera. We, Here we shared you. coffee. Mm-hmm. For, for years, when I lived over in Bossier City, the Panera there that was open, every morning I had coffee there with a friend. Yeah. And, of course, it shut down. And uh, so I left Bossier. I came to Shreveport. <laughs> for just for Panera. Panera down the street. <laughs> I'll give them uh, credit for doing that. Well, let's go ahead and get into what we're going to what we're going to talk about. Um, last time, uh, you told us about a trip that uh, you were in the process of putting together, and it has to do with, you gave us a report about child trafficking that yeah. is really getting rampant, coming across the southern border, but trafficking kids into Houston. And you, you told us a story about going out to find some of these kids and they were in weeds, and y'all had food, and when they knew you were there and it was safe, they would come out to get food. That has to be mind-boggling that stuff like that's going on. Yeah, I was blindsided by this because this was shared with me uh, by a uh, decades-long friend who just happened to be reporting to me the stories of what she had saw and, and had encountered working with this ladies ministry that was going out and ministering and taking food down to the homeless population. One of these, one of these big encampments in, in Houston. And during the process of just doing that, the, the smell of bags of Chick-fil-A that they were handing out was drawing children out of the brushwork of the bayou area that runs through Houston there, the Buffalo Bayou. And I know that I probably shouldn't be getting into a tremendous amount of detail here, but I, to be honest with you, Dan, I spoke to some experts about, actually I've spoken to many experts since I stumbled on this because this is not my field of endeavor. It's never even been my real field of interest. Are we interested in the plight of trafficked children? Well, sure we are. We all are. Right, right. I mean, we know that it's wrong. We know that it's important to be concerned about that, but I've never stumbled or I've never stepped on the, the you know the the rattlesnake myself and I did and so as a result of that we began the process of first of all as as you like to say I was listening you know finding the truth we need to learn the truth and and then once we once we know what it is then go after it and try to expose it you were listening to the show I actually was listening to this wow. show this morning <laughs> I'm honored <laughs> well where where do you stand and what the overall picture and plan is. Yeah, I, I am working with um, an investigative team now that have, we've recruited uh, through some very reliable recommendations and sources that are going to, and this was, this was a mind-blowing um, uh, blessing to us. I was on the phone with this uh, investigative team that, that it's private. Um, they're not associated with any government agency whatsoever. And they are part of a nonprofit organization, and their specialty is human trafficking rescue. And so they were recommended to me by another expert who is actually the nation's preeminent expert in human trafficking trauma. So there's with that groundwork laid. Uh, I was on the phone with this gentleman last week, and I, I fully anticipated that for their time, their labor, their human resources to assist in us going in and, and getting down to the you know the the uh, the truth of this particular operation that I would have to raise some money for those guys to be hired. And he told me flat out, and I quote, he said, if there's trafficking involved, I will not take your money. What a calling. 
Yeah. And so, um, so I'll be hooking up with them here in just a couple of days. Uh, I've got to spend a day in, uh, in Houston. Actually, tomorrow is nothing but a logistical day because I have to do some shopping. There are things that uh, supplies that we have to purchase. And then in addition to that, because you can't go down into these areas with your own vehicle, I've got to go rent a car, uh, once I'm there. And I was, I was chastised by one of these experts because when I was there a couple of weeks ago and I was running around and I was investigating these sites and they're pretty, you know, they're spooky locations. They're spooky in the daytime and at night they're, they're horrifying. I'm familiar with that part of Houston. I'm yeah. from there and it, it, it's not a really good part of town. No, it's not, it's not a, it's not just not a good part of town. It's a good place to do. It's a, it's only good for two things. It's either to, um, hide a body or for you to disappear yourself. And, and so when I was down in there with my own car, one of the, one of these investigators, he really chastised me and he said, were you down there with your own vehicle? And I said, well, yeah. He said, don't ever do that again. And I, I'm like, okay, well, this is the expert. So yeah, yeah. I said, what, what's the, what's the problem? He said, well, I go by, he said, I go by the 1% rule. I said, what's the 1% rule? He said, he said, I have great relationships in law enforcement, whether it's local police department or all the way up to the FBI. He said, but 1% of them are on the payroll of the cartel. And all, all you need to know is that that 1% can run your license plate number. That is a, a very sobering thought. Yeah. So obviously that's the reason why you're going down and getting a car so when they run those license plates yeah. it'll be to a rental agency yeah, at least there'll be a, a degree of separation yeah. you know yeah. uh, in that regard wow so that's where you're headed you're gonna keep us in uh in information mode as it becomes available oh yeah no i'll, I'll keep you in, i'll keep you in the loop as i said i i, I I can't get into a lot of details. And I did ask the, the, the guys that I'm consulting with, again, because this is new to me uh, as an investigative journalist. I've never uh, dove into this particular uh, type of story before. And they, uh, they, they, I specifically mentioned your show. And I said, what can I say on a show like that? I said, because I need awareness. I need help. We're, we are fundraising. I need prayer. I need, you know, quote unquote thoughts and prayers as we're doing this thing. And, um, and he said, man, he said, I don't think that you have anything to fear, uh, because the people that are running these operations are not listening to TNN live. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. But, but, uh, cause it, so it's not like, it's not like I'm going on CNN, but but still, the the, specific, the specificity needs to be avoided. Okay. Well, our prayers, our thoughts and prayers go with okay. you. Thank you. And anything you need when you get there, you may find out when you get there, there are some things that you need that you don't have. We're only a couple hundred miles away. Yeah. So give us a jingle. And we have a bunch of listeners in the Houston area. Uh, even below there, down in the valley, McAllen area. Mm. So we may be able to, if necessary, open a door or two, or maybe even just a meal, a nice meal with some <laughs> with some friendlies while that you're would, down there. Just let great. just let me know. We'll do. I uh, before we went live just a few minutes ago. Um, normally, when we do this, we have a plan up front of what we're specifically going to talk about. 
I knew you were going, and I didn't know how much of what you're about to do you could share with us. I appreciate you sharing that with us. But I mentioned to you, every day it seems like on this Mar-a-Lago thing, the, the FBI going down there and doing what they did the way that they did, uh, in the aftermath, it seems to me like there is some kind of premeditated, uh, politicized purpose for doing this that has very little to do with the rule of law and even the possibility that the president, the previous president of the United States, was sitting on top of critical uh, top secret documents that could in some way endanger the nation. Um, But it seems to me like there's a weaponization that's being considered and implemented by the Department of Justice and, of course, the FBI, which is their number one investigative unit, although we do know there are at least 17 other uh, Mm. agencies in the Department of Justice. The FBI seems to be the go-to source to get these kind of investigations underway. What? Let me ask you this, Steve. What were your initial thoughts when this happened, and have they progressed in your thinking over the past few weeks, and I know they have, where do you stand right now? I have uh, always, as, as you and I have spoken before, I have a, a fast rule of thumb, and that's I don't believe anything unless I see it with my own eyes, and but then consult the videotape. <laughs> and, and, Which is the second best thing. Right. So I have... Uh, a great deal of skepticism, especially when it comes from the mainstream, uh, mainstream press. And when you talk about weaponization, the biggest weapon that the DOJ, the FBI, and their partners in the MSM, all of these three-letter organizations, is the weaponization of information. That is their biggest weapon. Sure. And that is the one that they are assaulting us with at present. So... Because I don't believe anything that I don't see with my own eyes and with that firmly established, and because I was not at Mar-a-Lago, because I did not hold any of these documents in my hand, I have not seen them with my own eyes and captured them on my own video, I can only take what the left-wing press says, what the right-wing press says, my common sense, my own historical observations of similar events, And we don't have to go very far back, Dan, because we have seen what they have done to Trump over the last six years, particularly six, seven years in particular. And we have seen how many manufactured um, crimes, lies, controversies, conspiracies that they have weaponized against him all the way to the point of two impeachment trials. And so you have to look at this as an honest broker and go and with, with very with through very jaundiced eyes is what I'm saying. You have to look at that information. You have spent five minutes not going, answering going, the question. No, going around and and um, making sure everybody understands that you don't trust what you're seeing and hearing. I don't think any of us do, to be quite honest. I, with you. I, I, this this is ultimately the answer, Dan. Is I don't know. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't know, and and I don't have. And this is the thing, I don't have in that particular story any single insider 
insight. I don't have a whistleblower knocking on my door. I don't have a uh, uh, a person close, so close on the inside that I have you know top secret or, or undisclosed information. On the other hand, I do have that kind of information specifically about the DOJ and specifically about the FBI, and it can't help but taint, influence, you know, my observations of Mar-a-Lago. You're dealing with the DOJ yourself and the FBI on the January 6th stuff, and you haven't had a lot of um, direct contact with the FBI. But the way that you have explained it to me and have explained it to us here at TNN Live before, um, what they say and what they say they're going to do and why isn't always factual and they don't always follow through. It's almost like they have the biggest weapon in the room and they want to show you the weapon yeah. and make you be scared to death that they're actually going to use the weapon so they have some cause in mind. I personally, I'm in the same boat you are. I don't, and I normally I have a lot of people in the intelligence communities that I interact with, um, Treasury Department, up at the top of the Treasury Department, I get a lot of information and we have several members of Congress that are contributors here that come in regularly, including our Congressman, Mike Johnson. So we do have some inside there, but nobody that I have talked to is either coming forward with anything or has even has anything to weigh in on this. And to be quite honest with you, I personally think based upon my understanding and watching the DOJ do its stuff over the last eight yeah. years, which has been very unethical and sometimes even illegal. Um, I tend to lean that way. In other words, instead of innocent until proven guilty, in the case of the DOJ and the <laughs> FBI, guilty until proven yeah. innocent, this close to the midterm elections, I just feel like there is a purpose, a specific purpose, and the purpose... I don't think is backed up with factual evidentiary information. And here's why. As you know, CNN, MSNBC, they have direct pipelines directly into the Department of Justice, and those pipelines run both ways. And historically, anytime the DOJ needs to put something out there specific for any political purpose, MSNBC and CNN and even the New York Times and the Washington Post are willing culprits to throw it out there and and paint it with some kind of, well, we may not know this is absolutely true, but unconfirmed sources or anonymous sources or sources that decline to be named are telling us this. And so we haven't seen much of that, what has come out. And the one thing that really struck home to me was a picture. And it was the picture of those documents that were fanned out on the floor, right, on the right. carpet of a room. And the perspective that a lot of people took that just saw it, 
immediately was, oh my gosh, look, the former president had all this stuff just laying out on the floor. You and I both know that doesn't happen. First of all, Mar-a-Lago is one of the most prestigious clubs in the nation, and there is certainly a janitorial uh, work and mm-hmm. people that clean up messes. That would never be, and Donald Trump is anally retentive when it comes to neatness. Um, that would never happen. That was a staged event. Yeah, and law enforcement is, is notorious for bragging and showing off what they have done, whether it was a uh, a drug raid and they'll lay all the drugs out on the table and take pictures of it, or um, they've, they've uh, captured a bunch of weapons being trafficked. And so they'll lay those all out on the table and show what they, what they uh, gathered together. And this was an instance, I think, where basically they did the same thing. They just spread out all of these folder covers. Now, there's no proof that anything was in those folders. In fact, there is some evidence and some claims anyway from the inside. You know those were empty folders, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and so the, when, I, when I looked at that, I couldn't help but chuckle at the recognition of, as we talked about earlier, this collusive cartel of the three-letter agencies. And when I say the three-letter agencies, I don't just mean those that come out of the Department of Justice. I'm talking about those that come out of the ma- mainstream media because you can say CNN and FBI in almost the same ble- sure. breath because Absolutely. of exactly what you said before, that that information pipeline flows both ways. And they know that CNN is going to be a reliable voice for what they need to influence the market with, the marketplace of ideas with, what they need to influence the American people with. And so that is that is their the most powerful weapon. And and the other, as you said, the other side is exactly just as true because CNN can provide through their own resources, their own invest because they, they have investigative sure, journalists they and they can provide information to them as well. There is a um, a telephone call that happens every morning. I've verified this multiple sources. Um, Left-leaning media are included yeah. in this call. Anybody else is excluded, and they they happen very early, early every morning, New York and D.C. time, yeah. and they basically talk about the big stories of the day and how each of them are going to. Uh, air or print these stories and what the perspective is going to be. And there are television people involved in the same thing. I'll I'll never forget this. A year or two ago, Sinclair Broadcasting, which is one of the largest news-owned organizations owning television stations, local television stations that specialize in news around the nation. And I watched as a particular story it was actually a disclaimer was being given by the news anchors of all of the Sinclair television outlets. And it started with this first anchor starting with this story. And as the next 30 seconds developed, it was multiplied. New, different hmm. stations were coming in all at the same time. And they were all reading from the teleprompters the exact same disclaimer. Right. And by the time you got to end of it, it was a hundred doing the same thing. Yeah. That kind of stuff we know is happening. And I think we're at a point now, and this scares me if anything 
scares me about this DOJ Mar-a-Lago thing. I think we're at a point now where people are getting numb to it. They don't, they don't even care. I'm, I'm almost hoping you're right in that regard to a certain, to a certain extent, because we, we need the American people to wake up to this detail, this fact that you have relayed right there. And, and we've known that these meetings and these secret uh, cooperation, cooperative organizations within the MSM exist because they've had defectors over the year who've blown the whistle on them. That's how I found out about yeah, it. Yeah, and so we, we know it's real. Yeah. And, and then every once in a while, we also get a transcript or we get a, an audio uh, bleed or something, you know, that, that, that leaks out as a result of one of these um, uh, defectors. So we know it's real and we know that it's taking place. And do we want the American people to become numb to it? No, I would rather they become aware of it and then responsive in an activist sort of way. But if they just stop believing the, if they've just become so disenchanted with the other side, whether we're talking about the 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 the, the COVID healthcare crisis and pronunciations from the CDC and from the NIH and from the Fauci's and from the the, the Biden administration, if if they just become, oh my God, you know, we're two and a half years into this, and you know, I I've actually I actually believe that you guys have been lying to us. If we just get the American people there, we're we're accomplishing something. I would much rather they had much more understanding and more awareness of what was going on. But but Dan, most people are just trying to lead their lives. They're trying to pay their bills, especially in this inflationary cycle. They're 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 worried about how they're they're living paycheck to paycheck. We know that there's an insanely high percentage of the population that that lives that way. How can we possibly expect them to? Um, want to know the truth and want to dig in. They don't have time. They're, they're going home to crying babies, children that they've got to feed. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and then, and then we're trying to, t- but, but and then we're trying to tell them, don't send your kids to public schools. And here's all the legitimate reasons why you need to make the sacrifices not to send your kids to school. And so these, these families and these in American individuals are, are overwhelmed to such an extent that, how do we influence them? Because there's one thing that I know, and this is this goes right back to what we were talking about earlier. The single most powerful weapon the other side is how they control the information. And you and I know that because you and I look at both sides every day. And, and, and you know, I always like to say I look at all sides. And one of my other max, uh, or axioms is, is that I listen to NPR every day so that you don't have to. And, and, and so... <laughs> I, I look at every side. I listen to every side, far right, far, far left, middle, moderate, libertarian, uh, all the all the information sources, because I want to see how people are thinking about that particular issue. If it's Mar-a-Lago, if it's COVID, it doesn't matter what it is. But most people only hear the bullhorn of the MSM. They don't have time to do what you and I do. They don't have time to seek truth. And so I know as somebody with my own political dispositions, because we can't, we, we can't avoid those, that we are who we are. And I know that in order for me to get everything, I have to step off my island. I have to step out of my information bubble and I have to actively go to the other side. But people on the left, 
they're content there in that information bubble, and they don't look to the right. They, they just don't do it. So they don't even know it exists, except to the extent that the left has uh, denigrated the right-wing idols, whether it was Rush Limbaugh or now Tucker Carlson or whoever the biggest bullhorn is on the right, yeah. they can tell you all of the bad stuff about them, but they can't tell you anything good that comes from that side. And and, and so when so then I have to go, okay, for the average American, they're only hearing the massive bullhorn of the left-wing media because it's still much bigger than... Well, I mean, we think think about all the sources we have now, and we we are we have more than we've ever had. Blaze TV, Daily Wire, um, you know, Fox News. We've got we still got the EIB network out there is still the largest radio show. So there's all of these big things, and they're generating millions of, of dollars of income. They're they're they've got millions upon millions of listeners, and there's still a fraction of the size of. CNN, ABC, CBS. You know, you, but knowing all of that, there is some saving grace in that. Look how close to 50-50 the nation is in the populace, conservatives compared to the opposite of conservatives. And we know, as you've made very clear, um, the availability or even somebody choosing to go find out these yeah. different things and get a different opposite 180 degree away opinion about a lot of it. Uh, people are doing it. People are hungry enough to get out there. And I think one good thing to say about conservatives is most conservatives are more willing to look for as you do. And I do maybe not to the levels that you and I do, but at least look for, or at least listen to an alternate yeah. voice on most of these things just to find out maybe this isn't the truth. Well, well, conservatives inherently know that they have to because, you know, it's, it's, it's the successful march through the institutions that progressives have made over the last hundred years. They, they own the institutions, yeah. So they own yeah. the information pathways from school, entertainment, Hollywood, Disney, all the way through every institution that we were a part of. And, and as you, you and I both know, they've also successfully infiltrated the church to a, an alarming degree. Uh, most denominations now have been, inst- have been infiltrated by that long march of, the, of, of, of the, the actual intent to take over the institution. It's a, soci- a societal yeah evolution and it is happening and no reasonable person can say that it's not happening from top to bottom of our society. But we have, we, we know that the American people and we're talking about conservatives. We know that conservatives can't avoid that information. It's there. It's part of it. It influences every part of our lives. We see it everywhere. So we can't avoid it. So we have to search for the other. And that's, that is the exact opposite of what's taking place on the other side. They're getting, if you're, if you are predisposed as a, um, left-leaning political person by virtue of whatever definition you choose to, uh, anoint yourself, if you're predisposed in that way, you're already surrounded by your information bubble. Yeah. It's just part of your existence. Yeah. Um, I want to make a point in just a second, but I want to, I want to bring this up. 
I still, and I'm like you, you listen to NPR. I don't listen to NPR. Mm. But what I do is I'll immerse myself in CNN and MSNBC, and I'll I'm a subscriber to the New York Times yeah. and the Washington Post. Same as I am. And I'll read their stories, and then I go read or look at a, um, a television network news show. Fox News is the obvious one. That's the easy one, but I look at Newsmax, mm-hmm. and I dig out Glenn Beck and, and what his latest stuff is to yeah. just get two or three different maybe versions. Right. Uh, you know, some go heavy at some time, some go light. And it flips, but just to get kind of a tenor mm-hmm. of what's out there, knowing full well, as do you, that most of the time the truth is somewhere somewhere close to middle from uh, from much of what we hear. I'm not talking about MSN. I'm talking MSM. I'm talking about the uh, the conservative side of things. Yeah. But we have become. We've allowed ourselves as Americans to become content with whatever niche we end up going into, we begin to build the confidence layer or two or three or four around us because we don't want to have to struggle with making a discerning um, finding about those things when we have so many other things in our lives that are so much more important, at least they seem to be. People are... I mean, we're, we're, we're dealing every day with people that can't, can't pay their right. electricity bills right. and food. They can't get food, or if they can, they can't afford to get food. So when you put it all in perspective, politics is just a little bitty glitch on the American and the world citizens' radar screen, but it's a little glitch that we can't ignore. And lightning rods have got to go out across the world with truth. And I'm doing just maybe in a different way from you, but what we're doing here is challenging people. I tell them, don't yeah. believe, don't believe just because we give you a story. And I mean, we'll give you a source. Yeah. What I want you to do is listen to what we say. And then you go disprove what we've said, finding a truth. And when you do, and it's different from what we're doing, please let us know. That's the world in which we need to live rather than being so busy and so self-absorbed that we're not willing to question even our own thoughts and our own opinions. And I think we're in a society now where the left is gaining a little ground on deafening a lot of the new conservatives that are coming up that uh, maybe you're not as inquisitive as the baby boomer generation from which you and I come. There's a there's a new story that just came out yesterday in the uh, Epic Times or Epoch Times, depending upon how you choose to pronounce it. I heard you say Epic the other day. I've always said Epoch. No, I see. I actually always say Epoch because uh, it sounds more high minded, so I like that. And and <laughs> I uh, know you so that but, didn't but make that's any a, but that's a, the British pronunciation. Yeah. Epic is the American pronunciation. But uh, so you you say potato, I say tater. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I I uh, have become uh, not only acquainted with but quite friendly with one of their uh, investigative journalists over at the Epoch Times, Joe Hanneman, and he uh, and I both have been chasing this January 6th you know, thing for 
almost two years now. Yes, yes. And, and he is their lead January 6th uh, journalist. And he wrote an incredible story yesterday that actually dovetails back into everything that you and I have been talking about. It's specifically talking about um, the Oath Keepers trial that's coming up. And then by way of comparison, this organization, this Christian ministry organization out of Ohio that took some 160 people to D.C. that day and ended up doing some very bad things, actually were acting as primary frontline agents provocateur, including their own leader of this Christian organization, being one of the first ones to actually physically shove over fencing and assault an officer, and yet he has not been arrested, charged, held in the D.C. gulag for 16, 18 months. And really nobody knows where he is, right? No, this particular guy is known. This is this is a, a ministry leader out of Ohio, and this this news factually structured article by Joe Hanneman, and I, I encourage everybody to look. I'm not, and I'm sorry I don't have the title right here in front of me, but it was published yesterday. Joe Hanneman is the writer, the Epic Times. Dan may look it up for me. Right I now. am, and so while I'm telling the story, and he's looking that up. It reads as a you know a, a three act play because it sets the stage of the oath keepers being falsely accused of the very actions this Christian ministry, allegedly so, out of Ohio, was engaged in doing. Uh-huh. So the very thing that they have been charged with and are facing some of these guys, Dan, are facing life imprisonment for things they never did, and there's not a single second of video corroboration of the DOJ and FBI's allegations against them, but the very organization who was doing the actual things in terms of pre-planning, collusion, conspiracy, activity on the ground as agents provocateur, shoving over barricades, assaulting law enforcement officers, their group members are on video doing these things. We've seen it with our own eyes. They've not been charged. They've not been arrested. How in the world, Dan, can we believe any? And, and when you read the history of this Christian organization, we've got we've got the classic situation of the, the leader of the organization being that football coach, that high school football coach praying with his team on the on the football field and getting, you know, blasted by the ACLU for doing that. So we all from our, you know, our um uh our bubble we would run to the defense of this organization. Now we see this same guy involved in the ne- more nefarious deeds that took place on January 6th where others are being accused falsely of doing what he actually did who do we believe anymore dan this is what is exactly what we were talking about we can we can go right back to mar-a-lago you have one side saying one thing you have another side saying the other thing we weren't there we have to filter all this information through our own common sense and our experience in this in this world that we you and i try to navigate every day But then we have a situation just like this where we actually have the innocent, proven by video who are innocent, charged and facing life imprisonment, and the actual guilty, proven by videotape, 
not being charged or arrested. This story you referenced, members of an Ohio-based Christian group called the Salt and Light Brigade That's it. were among the suspicious actors who breached the police lines on the east side of the U.S. Capitol January 6th and engaged in a, quote, stunning conspiracy to commit illegal acts that were falsely ascribed to your friends, the Oath Keepers, a defense attorney contends. Geyer, this defense attorney, he's... I must say, in all disclosure, he's also my attorney. Brad Geyer. Brad Okay. Geyer said Salt and Light Brigade members engaged in a stunning conspiracy to attack the Capitol but have faced no charges. Several members and associates of the group claim to have worked in intelligence jobs, including a former Green Beret with experience in special ops, covert ops, psychological ops, undercover ops, and surveillance ops. In other words, he was a, uh, a bad guy. Others have claimed they have high-level government security clearances. It, when we see stuff like this that happened, and I, I saw this story yesterday. Yeah. Um, I, I, I read a lot. I'm a speed reader, and I, I grasp certain parts of it. Um, there's so much out there that you and I, I mean, in two hours, I could go five or six hours every day and not double up on stories and information. Right. You could do the same thing. But nevertheless, um, this is just one of those little flies in the ointment that makes people like you and I go, what's the real story? Well, man, Dan, I'm going to tell you, there are things I don't know about. I don't know about Mar-a-Lago, but there are things I do know about. And one of those is I'm on the inside. I'm on this. I'm actually an active, engaged member, not, not because I'm not, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a paralegal, but I am a consulting member of this particular legal team. And, and uh, you're also a, 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 a litigant, maybe possibly yourself, right. <laughs> but Brad Geyer, who is uh, extensively quoted in this article, is the attorney for Ken Harrelson, one of the Oath Keepers, whose trial begins at the end of this month. And he also happens to be my attorney. And so uh, as a result of that, I am uh, read into many things that are not publicly available yet because they're under court seal. I've heard things, I've I've seen things that are not allowed, uh, the public is not allowed to see yet. Stories like this uh, are, the, the the Department of Justice can't keep out. There are too many of these um, quote-unquote unindicted co-conspirators in the quote-unquote insurrection. Uh, too many unnamed individuals with clear high-definition uh, photography yeah, that it's yeah. absolutely impossible yeah. that the FBI do not, does not know who they are. Some of these individuals were on the FBI's most wanted list and have been taken off. It's it's one of those things for he who has ears to hear, with eyes to see. We know what's happening here. You don't even the American public on this story does not even need my insider information to see what is happening related to January sixth. I said that. This is morning, and if you were listening in, you may have heard me say it from South Louisiana. I learned very young, if it quacks and waddles, it's always a duck, even though it may not, it may be <laughs> called Bubba the Pig. Right. It's still a duck. Steve Baker headed to Houston 
on an investigation trek into child trafficking. Our prayers go with you. Um, We'll support you in any and every way. Tell our people, once again, I ask you to do this every time. We publish it. But what are the best ways to get in touch with you and your information? Uh, The best place is uh, the Pragmatic constitutionalist.locals.com. All right. It's free to subscribe and join so they can follow as a read only yeah, type yeah. thing, but they can also support us there. They can either uh, subscribe for um, a, a monthly subscription to more, what I, you know, more insider information, yeah, what I call su- yeah. supporter exclusives yeah. that we put out almost every day. And then in addition to that, uh, one-time donations can be made there because right now that is obviously something that's that's needed for what this not not only what we're doing in Houston but as soon as I leave Houston I'm going to DC for 6 to 8 I'll be there for the duration of the Oath Keepers trial and as you know it's not uh inexpensive to be in dc for uh, any uh, period no, of time no, no so so we're going to need your you know your, your help your support anybody that can so the pragmatic constitutionalist.locals.com steve baker investigative journalist a friend to this this website and to this show you are always welcome here we look forward to our tuesday formal get-togethers yeah. and any other ones that you and i may have even a cup of coffee at Panera. That's exactly right. Marianne said, please forgive her. She did not have fresh-made cinnamon rolls this morning for you to have with your that coffee. That was my first thought this morning. <laughs> I knew it would be. <laughs> my wife makes the best cinnamon rolls. Steve Baker, again, thank you. And keep us posted. Uh, if you are in a situation while you're there where you can come up for air yeah, and give us a call in and maybe an update, Please do that. I'll do that. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. Steve Baker, one of our favorites, and he's here every week with us at about 10 o'clock on Tuesday morning, Central Time, and we call it DS, Dan and Steve. That's not BS. It's Dan and Steve. The new Amazon Echo has everyone asking Alexa for help. Alexa, what time is it? What the hell is wrong with this blasted thing? Amanda! But the latest technology isn't always easy to use for people of a certain age. These kids have bought me a busted machine again. On desert. That's why Amazon partnered with AARP to present the new Amazon Echo Silver, the only smart speaker device designed specifically to be used by the greatest generation. It's super loud and responds to any name even remotely close to Alexa, so they can find out the weather. Allegra. What is the weather outside? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Huh? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Where? Outside. What about it? The temperature outside is 74 degrees and sunny. I don't know about that. The latest in sports. Clarissa, how many did old Satchel strike out last night? Satchel Paige died in 1982. How many he get? Satchel Paige is dead. He what now? Died. Who did? Satchel Paige. I don't know about that. Even local news and pop culture. Anita, what them boys up to across the street? They are just playing. They what now? They are just playing. You say they just playing now? Yes, they are just playing. I don't know about that. Compare it to smart devices like your thermostat. Alessandra, turn the heat up. The room is already 100 degrees. Are you trying to kill me, Alizé? 
The new Amazon Echo Silver plays all the music they loved when they were young. Angela, play black jazz. Playing, uh, jazz. It also has a quick scan feature to help them find things. Emilia, where did I put the phone? The phone is in your right hand. And it has an uh-huh feature for long rambling stories. So then I gave him $5, and he said I only gave him $1. Uh-huh. I said, I know I gave you a five. Uh-huh. Because I only had a five and a one only. Uh-huh. And this is the $1 right here. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you tell me who's crazy. Amazon Echo Silver. Get yours today. I said get yours today. To order Amazon Echo Silver, send a check or money order to Amazon.com right now. Need more cowbell? Better yet, how about the ring of truth? TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. You know, we get truths from a lot of different perspectives. You know what I mean? I mean, you can have something, a black piece of paper, and it may look a little bit different from the way that uh, another person looks at it. But it's always good to tag team and compare especially when we're talking about these very, very critical things that are going on around us. I mean, everywhere we turn, every day, every part of your life, things are up in the air, uncertain, but we're told by many people that have dogs in the hunt, that have a perspective that they're, they're trying to get everybody to believe. And we just have to be able to discern that. The only way to do it, folks, is to immerse yourself in it, as Steve said, I'm sure he, I, I didn't ask him this, he said that he uh, he listens to NPR so that we don't have to. I don't know if he likes listening to NPR, but it's like me watching CNN or MSNBC. I do occasionally get some good laughs, but it's good to know what's out there and what people are wrapped up in, what they're saying and who they're saying it about often. You can gain discernment just by doing that. Have you thought about that? Now, what I want you to do right now is I want you to listen to one of the expert spokespersons in the world, and we're going to call this a word salad. This week, the world got a frightening insight into what happens when you unleash the president without notes an auto cue, or someone screaming instructions in his ear. You get this nonsensical word salad. Tell me how you do that. I understand it. It's clear in its face. You're accurate. But how in making the case of the freedom men have, what do you do to other than to sort of embarrassed men into getting into the, into the argument and voting the right way on this issue. Okay. We also saw President Joe Biden deliver this rousing and totally coherent message to rally the troops for the midterms. If we elect two more senators, we keep the House and Democrats, we're going to get a lot of unfinished business. We're going to get done. 
Just in case you missed that, he said if we elect two more senators, we keep the House and Democrats, we're going to um, get a lot of unfinished business, we're going to get done, OK? I mean, just like Australia, the senators in the US tend to sit in the Senate. Someone should perhaps tell the president that. And someone should probably also tell the president that handing over half a trillion, with a T, trillion dollars to college graduates who haven't paid off their student debts is utterly reckless, regressive and inflationary. It will take money from the less privileged who don't have college degrees and the responsible who paid off their debts and give it to households earning up to US $250,000. That's 360000 Australian dollars. When the president was asked about this, he gave this peculiar response. The president, is this unfair to people who paid their student loans or chose not to take out loans? Is it fair to people who, in fact, uh, do not own the multi-billion dollar businesses that see why these guys get more tax things? Is that fair? What do you think? Um, what now? Is it fair to people who do not own multi-billion dollar businesses? Uh, one can understand why the president's handlers insist on heavily scripting his appearances and don't allow him to freely answer questions with the press. Look what happens in this clip. It's quite sad, really. President Biden picks a journalist to ask a question before realising he's not allowed to do that. He says, and I quote, I took control. I shouldn't do that. I'm not allowed to do that. And then the handlers come in and call an end to proceedings. Have a look. Where everybody thought anything would go. Thank you so much, Mr. President. Oh, I'm sorry. I, 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 I took control. I shouldn't do that. I'm not allowed to do that. Go ahead. You tell me. I think we're going to go ahead and um, have the rest of the conversation um, close, Press. And thank you all so much. Mr. President, it's reasonable to ask at this stage just who is running the country, President Biden or the people who grant him the permission to speak? I think it might have something to do with those three-letter agencies that Steve Baker was talking about. In this case, would be the MSM, the mainstream media. At least I'm pretty sure they are speaking into members of this administration, including the President of the United States, and they've got a lot of input there, and we get a lot of that input coming out of the White House. I'm just saying. Now, before Steve came in, I promised you that we had a report that's really troubling to me. The Department of Justice, they have been given a 15-page document that is explaining the Biden administration's strategy to implement what they're calling a voter access policy that's being coordinated with left-wing groups just weeks before the midterms. And yesterday, Joe Biden very uh, unpublicly signed executive order number 14019. It's titled Prompting, excuse me, Promoting Access to Voting. President Biden issued this EO on access to voting that instructs federal government agencies to promote voter registration and to help Americans apply to vote by mail and to combat misinformation. Here we go. 
misinformation. Who determines what is and what is not misinformation? The executive order reads like a Democrat Party wish list of reforms. It enshrines many of the practices that were adopted on a temporary basis during the pandemic-effective 2020 election. And here's what some of its provisions include. Using federal agencies to promote voter registration. Using federal agencies to inform Americans about voting. Linking federal agency websites to state voter registration websites. Providing voter registration and vote-by-mail applications. Using approved nonpartisan third-party organizations to register voters at federal agencies. And honestly, I think that's illegal. Using identification documents issued by the agency to help people to register to vote. Providing more multilingual services to potential voters. Giving public employees time off to vote in federal, state, local, tribal, and territorial elections. And promoting voter registration for federal prisoners. One of the provisions states, quote, It is the responsibility of the federal government to expand access to and education about voter registration and election information and to combat misinformation in order to enable all eligible Americans to participate in our democracy, which we don't have a democracy. We have a representative republic. Big difference. The Democrats need to get that in their brains. Under the U.S. Constitution, elections are largely administered by the states. But critics of Biden's EO noted that it amounts to an attempt to federalize elections and to do so without any authority from Congress, never mind our Constitution. Molly Hemingway, one of my favorites from The Federalist, she noted back in June Biden was elected in 2020 after Democrats and their donors, like billionaire Mark Zuckerberg, funded and commandeered local election administration in key counties and crucial swing states with millions of dollars. The Foundation for Government Accountability filed a Freedom of Information Act request for documents about the DOJ plan last year, which the DOJ refused to produce until compelled to do so by a federal court just last Thursday, two months before the midterms. It did provide a few documents. The DOJ used a loophole in the FOIA legislation to withhold the strategic plan for that executive order. Here's what Byron Yark of the Washington Examiner said. So the strategic plan the document that would give the world some information on what the administration is doing to enact Biden's order, it remains a secret. But that's not all. The Department of Justice is withholding lots of other information as well. One troubling clue made it past Justice Department censors. On July 12th, a year ago, the DOJ held a listening session with outside activists working on voting rights. The group included dozens of people, all of them, every one of them from left-leaning groups. There were 10 from the American Civil Liberties Union, 
five from the Campaign Legal Center, three from DeMoss, three from the Southern Poverty Law Center, five from the Leadership Conference on Civil Rights, two from Black Lives Matter, and many others. The list would not reassure anyone hoping that the DOJ is working in a scrupulously nonpartisan way, but of course, we don't really know what the department is doing because the administration is keeping it a secret. So while the DOJ hides info about how the federal government is intervening in the upcoming election, which is constitutionally to be run by each of the 50 states and territories and not by anybody in the federal government, guaranteeing that the results will be held in suspicion, Biden, his party, and their allies in the media are claiming that the midterm election is about defending democracy from its opponents and liken those who doubt election results to traitors and to terrorists after all. We know every vote that was counted in the 2020 election, every single one of them was legal. Well, no, we know exactly the opposite. In at least 12 different states, not just a little bit of voting irregularity, but a massive amount of voting irregularity occurred. And of course, they've kept it, the MSM, the voice box for the political left have kept it secret, not talking about it, unless you go to a place like, you know, that conspiracy network, Truth News Network. Republican Study Committee Chairman Jim Banks, he said Democrats are going to seek to stuff radical policies in a stopgap spending bill called a continuing resolution before Republicans likely take the House over after the midterms. The sun is setting on Nancy Pelosi's speakership, he said, opening up a memo. He detailed that Pelosi will make a last-minute funding push to enact more of Biden's radical policies. Banks explained that Congress is likely going to pass a stopgap spending bill. I am so tired of them doing this. Why can't Congress just get its stuff together and pass a budget every will, every year and then put in place whatever spending measures are necessary to be able to just take care of spending money? After all, we know they spend a lot of it. Novel idea. Why not have a plan? Banks explained that House Republicans should consider that Pelosi's going to try to pass an omnibus spending bill after the midterm elections when Republicans likely will win back the House and maybe even the Senate. Voters will have fired Pelosi, but she will still decide all government funding for fiscal year 2022. That's because the elections November 6th, the new Congress doesn't take office until after the first of the year. He said Banks did that Representative Chip Roy of Texas is circulating a letter pledging to oppose any continuing resolution that expires during the lame duck session. In another consideration for these House Republicans, Banks said many of the GOPers would likely vote against the CR because it would continue to fund Biden's radical and failed agenda. The chairman cited many of the radical policies request contained in his 
continuing resolution request, which according to banks include a pathway to citizenship for the plus or minus 76,000 Afghan evacuees that don't have status in the U.S. yet. The DHS uh, Inspector General recently found the Biden administration failed to vet Afghan evacuees. And a whistleblower reported the Biden administration flew 324 suspected terrorists that are now here among us in the United States. Many of them, we don't know where they are. They just walked off these military bases where they were taken to be reconciled into our country. $22.4 billion in COVID emergency funds. That's what Biden wants put in this continuing resolution. This spending includes no offsets, condones the White House's abuse of its pandemic emergency powers, $11.7 billion more in Ukraine aid. Only $7.2 billion of the package would actually go to the Department of Defense. $2 billion in what they call energy. That's all it says, energy. $500 million taxpayer bailout for the Strategic Petroleum Reserve ahead of anticipated shortfalls. Why? Joe Biden's been turning the spigot on on our Strategic Petroleum Oil Reserve and selling that oil to countries like China. You know, one of our closest allies, that's a country that we should feel really sorry for and help them out with their energy shortfalls, right? A billion and a half to buy uranium for nuclear reactors in case shortfalls from Russia happen. A billion five. Now, let me ask you this. Right now, we don't need to buy any more uranium. Why is that? Well, uranium for power plants in the United States, those uranium deposits are bought by the power companies that own these energy plants, private sector stuff. And so the brain children and the White House, they said, look, um, Russia's over there and they're controlling a bunch of uranium. By the way, Hillary Clinton, she saw fit to approve the sale of a huge portion of the United States uranium deposits to a company that was owned by Canadians and yet our government green-lighted the sale of that company to Russia. So Biden wants a billion and a half to buy uranium for nuclear reactors just in case shortfalls from Russia happen. You know what that says? We're buying uranium from Russia, a company that used to uh, mine uranium deposits in the United States. Go figure. Four and a half billion dollars on monkeypox. How much of that one and a half billion is going to actually go to buy uranium? How much of the four and a half billion is going to go to monkeypox? And it doesn't even detail what specifics that this four and a half billion for monkeypox are going to take care of. Many Republicans may be a bit hesitant to increase funding for public health agencies given their recent virus response record. Six and a half billion dollars on disaster relief. FDA user fee reauthorization may be added 
to this resolution, the House passed a standalone version of the bill back in June. This is just nuts. Representative Banks said the next three weeks before the midterms allow for Republicans to create a contrast between Democrats and themselves. He said over the next three weeks, Democrats plan to attack American energy, increase the deficit, further fuel inflation, give amnesty to tens of thousands of unvetted refugees from Taliban-controlled Afghanistan, strip voters of their say in funding the government for an entire year, and further abuse Joe Biden's permanent pandemic power. Banks said this is our last opportunity to explain why Democrats' agenda has failed, what Republicans will do differently, and why voters should give us a governing mandate in November. I think every American wants that to happen, wants our government to be shaped by the will of the people through legally cast votes. Nervous? Oh, Blaze. Brings back so many good memories. Remember our road trip in 97? Our first real heart to heart. I've never seen any of your movies. Not even the ones we're in together. Hey, do you remember when that stalker kidnapped us? Yes. Blaze was there. Blaze. Do you have barbecue? Or a cheddar jalapeno? Oh. Remember when we stumbled into that turf war? Remember when you bought your first house? Those were good times. They were golden. You ready? Seth, do you? I do. And Janet, do you? That's a yes. Introducing the all-new Infiniti QX60. Take on life in style. I don't care. That, that version of Rhapsody in Blue, when I hear those, those horns blowing and they're so far out of tune, it just it makes me gnash my teeth together. I don't know, maybe it's because I'm a musician. But it just sounds horrible. But I, I will tell you this, that over the last year was one of the most watched and liked commercials on network television. Go figure that. Now, we were talking about when Steve was here. It was interesting. It kind of goes directly into what I want to talk about just for a second here before we close the show. Left-leaning media It's now... They have made a determination, and probably in that phone call that we told you that happens every morning when all the lefties 
get their news media reports together, what they're going to collectively sell to the American populace. These left-leaning outlets have now decided they're going to be more objective in their covering of electrical grid issues plaguing California. Now, that doesn't seem like a big deal. They're going to tell the truth and give factual information, which is not what they did when they slammed Texas. Remember this? Last year's winter storm that caused blackouts across the state? Oh, my gosh, they bashed Texas Governor Greg Abbott. He didn't think about it. He didn't prepare for anything. When in fact, Texas on wind energy and solar energy is providing a larger margin of its power in those renewable energy sources percentage-wise than any other state in the union. But you can't mess with Mother Nature. In February last year, following that winter storm that caused widespread power outages for 4 million Texans, and about 100 Texans died because of the, the extreme cold, top Democrats began to call for investigations into state Republicans' handling of the crisis, reaffirming their support for radical environmental policies. Governor Abbott thought Texas could run an electric grid that ignored the climate crisis. That was Chuck Schumer that said that. Schumer went on to call for a federal investigation to look into how Republican governors' policies have failed and exacerbated the winter storm crisis. But now, oh my gosh, look at their favored son. Look at California. And that brain surgeon out there that runs the state as the governor there. And look at what he's doing. He, every day, is doing these public service announcements. And he's telling Californians, hey, it's no big deal, but please dial back down your electrical use. Uh, Don't charge your electric cars. You might even think about turning the thermostat up to about 78 degrees or above. And just enjoy your day and enjoy renewable energy in California. And the craziness just goes on and on and on. That's a wrap on Tuesday. Thanks for being here today. Thanks, Steve Baker, for coming by and being in the studio with us. We'll keep you posted on what's happening in his investigations down in Houston. And we're back here tomorrow morning with you, 9 to 11 a.m. at TNN Live. Place where nobody dared to go The love that we came to know They call it Xanadu
Thank you.